Hey, welcome back to the Gen X Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Trish The Dish, and super excited to have my good friend, Gabriel, back on the show to um, continue his story about being a risk, a Gen X risk taker. Um, we're going to talk about uh, stable cryptocurrency and his, um, his new career and um, leap that he took recently. Um, leaving PayPal and going to um, a um, sort of a new, a new a new world and and the and the risk that te- that he's taking having kids and a wife um, and we also kind of unpack a little bit of um, you know uh, the rest of his journey um, you know we we last left him in Europe so um, we've got a we got another few years to unpack together so. Uh, make sure you reach out to me at genxvoice.com if you have a, a fascinating life story, or maybe you just want to share your voice in general, um, and uh, or or you just have a comment about uh, an episode you've heard. Um, and if uh, you know the website isn't your game, then you can always comment at genxvoice on um, Instagram. Love hearing um, when people uh, relate to what's going on. Um, appreciate Joe, uh, shout out to, to Joe who reached out to me and, um, about my solo episode a couple weeks ago about my, my midlife housing crisis. Um, and, uh, and, and how that's resonating with him. And so, um, let me know, let me know how you're affected, um, with, with middle-aged life and, um, or, or just, uh, you know, how you feel about episodes. Um, also too, um, let me know if you guys want to have Gabriel back on to talk a little bit more about cryptocurrency. Um, because I know that, uh, some of you may have heard of it. Um, I know a lot of Gen Xers, um, have heard about it, but maybe some of our, um, older listeners or maybe Gen Xers that do know about it, but, uh, want a little bit more info. Um, let me know again, genxvoice.com or at genxvoice on Instagram and make sure you join the Facebook group, uh, as well, uh, just so we can, uh, unpack some of these things that we're talking about. And for now, enjoy the show. All right. Hey, it's my friend Gabriel. He's back on the Gen X voice podcast. Trish, I'm so happy. Thank you. It's great to be here. And we're doing bah, duh, for our French speaking uh, listeners. Bien uh, and the cool thing is, is that we're actually going to, um, yeah, we're doing a part the part two for you Anglophones um, because Gabe, Gabriel's life is so interesting and amazing and, and, from season one, you might remember him from the episode called Risk Takers. Um, he is going to share his second half of his journey in life. Um, and I'll make sure to link uh, his his episode, Gen X Risk Takers, um, in the show notes. Um, but before we jump into um, unraveling more of your amazing life, my friend, um, how are you doing today? How how's the weather in beautiful San Jose, California? Oh man, it's um, <clears throat> it's just great. I'm I'm having a great day. Um, 
just got back from uh, meeting some friends of ours uh, in a park not too far from here with a nice big lake in it and lots of geese hanging out. And so we rode it- our bicycles and we just had a kind of like a, like a play date outside, you know, we're wearing masks, we're riding bikes outside, that sort right. of thing. But it was, it was nice. So yeah, it was like 65, almost 70 degrees. That's in the what sun. I was going to ask if yeah. you are wearing, you know, I noticed that you're wearing a sweater. Uh, I never have the camera on when I do my interviews, but Gabriel and I go back so far that I don't care if he sees me without the, the, I mean, my makeup's down to my cheek. Cause I don't wash it off in the weekends and I'm wearing like my, my, like my yoga top. Like I don't even care, but, um, yeah, that's what I was curious about is if you guys, uh, were, were enjoying some sweater weather because it's like 87 degrees here in Phoenix. Uh, uh, it so- sounds pretty nice to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we all love the desert between October and May, but the fact that it's November 14th on the day of this recording and it's still pushing 90, it's it's kind of like living in the Midwest around February. You're just kind of sick of negative 16 degree weather. You know, it's just. Ugh. Trish, I, I grew up in Arizona, so anything under 70 degrees is the dead of winter. And it just really <laughs> bugged me. So, um, yeah. It's funny because in the evenings, you know, it's been getting really chilly and the mornings are beautiful, you know, like I think we dropped down to 49 degrees, but the minute it turns 74 degrees, I need a sweater. Mm. I mean, it's insane. But um, I thought about you today because I spent most of my morning, well, obviously, because we were meeting up today, but um, cooking vegan Indian food. And I wanted to ask you, cause I want to give her a shout out to any listener who might be thinking of doing like, um, some really cool, um, Indian, she has Indian recipes. She's Indian American. Um, she's got recipes for like Indian food or just a good, I'm doing a good soup later. Um, she's just got like such a wide breadth and scope of recipes, but she's called rainbow plant life. Have you ever heard of her on YouTube? No, no, I'm oh. going to have to look because we are always looking for different um, recipes and she's inspired um, me. I've been, good. I've been cooking since about 6am. Um, I made <laughs> Nen from scratch. Ve- this is all vegan. Um, a tofu, uh, um, t- t- tiki. T- oh man, I can't believe I forgot the name of it. Tika masala. Yeah. Tika, tika masala. masala. Um, and it's so good. And then later I'm going to make this, um, like totally different. Like I said, she has all kinds of food, but it's going to be white bean and kale stew. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll pass you the info and you know, she's not my friend. She's not, I'm not sponsored by her, but you know what? I'm going to give her a link in my show notes too, just because, um, I don't know about you guys, but anytime I come across someone that's like, and has just a little bit different flair on cooking, I'm all about it. So, um, maybe you guys will, will be interested in that too. So you have to let me know, Gabriel, she, she's really inspired me. That's it's like, it's nice to take a little break from some of the recipes I've been making all these years. So, well, thanks for sending it along. I'll definitely take a look at it. I, I like to uh, try different things and, uh, we've got pretty much every single possible uh, combination of spice for Indian food that you can imagine in the house. We just have to put it together. So, so what about uh, fenugreek leaves? I don't know that we've got the leaves, but I know that we have the, we've got like the actual spice. I, I know it's in one of the cupboards that we've got. We've got everything. Awesome. I, I remember labeling all the jars. So. Yeah. I mean, I bought, I bought uh, like some, some cardamom 
mm-hmm. pods and broke them open. And, and, you know, I'm, I know you probably had some of this when you lived in, in France, but Arabic coffee with cardamom in it. Do you, have you ever had that, like that Turkish coffee that like is on the stove and you boil it like three times with that long handle? I haven't had that, but I've seen, I've seen people doing it and it smells really good. Oh my gosh. That cardamom is just the Mm. best, but Anyway, aside from the, the, cause v, I know that you went vegan, um, about a year, year and a half ago. Yeah, about so, um, months. feeling great. Right. It's a, oh my gosh, so much, so much energy. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I like, I even remember we did some reading about it and, uh, watched a couple of shows on Netflix and it was like, Oh, I have so much energy. I'm like, well, how's that even possible? But man, it is. <laughs> yeah. Your body's not working so hard. Like after I eat, I don't feel like um, I got to take a nap. Like I always just feel ready to go. And, and I know as a parent of, of two girls, you got to have all the energy you can get. It helps. Yeah. 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 But, um, aside from being, um, that, that hashtag vegan life, um, you, sir, started a new job. Yeah. Yeah. So about, about five weeks ago, finally, um, Everything worked out and uh, started uh, another another chapter in my career life, um, and it's just been fantastic. the The company I work for is called Circle, and it is a internet financial company. Let's put it at that. But their big their big ticket to fame right now is what's called a stable coin. And if anyone on the podcast or if you know about cryptocurrencies, um, the term stable coin has been around for a while. And it is a crypto money, uh, just like a Bitcoin is a crypto money, like an Ethereum or an Ether coin is, is a crypto money. Um, but the stable coin is very different than those other what we call altcoins, because the altcoin is in fluctuation all the time. The value of the Bitcoin, the value of Ether changes on a minute by minute basis. Um, stable coins, however, do not. They are pegged generally to one uh, fiat currency or like government sponsored currency. So the company that I work for owns and creates and basically custodians the um, US dollar coin, and that is a stable coin. And so um, you are able to basically have a wallet. You can have a wallet um, from a company like Coinbase uh, or even PayPal. Um, and you can purchase these uh, stable coins. Uh, and what you do is you basically choose to convert your dollar into one of these cryptocurrencies. And then you have this stored value of this cryptocurrency in your wallet, a digital wallet. And if you find someone that you need to pay or a product that you want to buy, um, in more and more places now, you can choose to pay with these uh, alternate currencies. Um, why anyone would want to pay with a Bitcoin or an Ether coin at this point makes very little sense to me. But the stable coin is interesting because it really is the same value as a dollar. So it's pegged to that dollar value. So um, the biggest sort of uh, great thing that Circle is doing is it's making it much easier for companies. These are all business accounts, um, companies to pay or to send funds to correspondence on uh, in, in another jurisdiction, in another country. Um, and I know that you lived abroad and maybe some of your listeners have, have traveled abroad and have had to. Well, we have several somehow... international um, listeners actually all over South America and Europe. So 
So, so they probably understand how painful it is sometimes to have to ask for money or get money from someone uh, from a different country. These are called wire transfers and they're very archaic. Um, they take a long time for the money to quote unquote move between the banking institutions. Long time, basically the long, the long, uh, the, the long story here is it's very difficult to send money because the bank that you have an account at is probably not the bank that the person is going to be receiving the money has an account at. But those banks have to somehow communicate to one another, and they don't necessarily have an account with each other. So it's like it's like chains. You have to first send the money from one bank to another bank that has a correspondent banking relationship with a third bank. That third bank may have a correspondent relationship with the bank that the money is supposed to go to where your recipient or who is supposed to get the money is located. And so these transfers or funds have to go through all sorts of different checks uh, for uh, you know, anti-money laundering checks, counter-terrorist financing checks, which is a lot of my background. So I know this stuff really well, but it takes a long time and it's very expensive. So you have to pay a lot of money upfront to be able to send these funds. The person receiving them has to spend some money to get those funds. And it sometimes it takes up to a week. So the stable coin actually solves this problem. It almost makes it like sending money is like sending an email. The digital currency value does not change when it goes from the, from the sender to the recipient. And it happens instantaneously because it doesn't have to go through all those different banks. It just goes from my wallet to your wallet. It's a digital interface. And because those two different wallets have a special key or an address, kind of like an email address, what happens is I can just send you the money. I don't have to go through any other correspondent banking relationship. I send the money instantaneously. You receive the money. There's no fee involved. It's completely free. So this gets around all of those problems with time and fees and frustration. And it actually solves a big problem with um, international uh, transfers. And that's what Circle is doing right now. And that's um, really uh, what they're sort of paving the way for many other companies uh, to be able to do this kind of uh, quick, rapid transfer of funds, just like we send uh, email. Right? So, I mean, thanks for explaining that, by the way, um, because I know that cryptocurrency and all of uh, the conversations that are around that, um, that's that's big talk. Uh, I hear it a lot on podcasts and stuff. So we might even have to have you come back to delve in a little deeper mm. just for fun. But um, there's plenty of podcasts out there, folks, that talk about this stuff. So I encourage you to go check it out because it's all pretty interesting stuff. But um, one thing I'm wondering, though, just off the top of my head is um, why not just Venmo? Venmo does not allow you to send funds across international borders at this point. So you don't have the ability to um, send these funds across borders. So I, I know that Venmo, um, as uh, during my time at, at PayPal, they were working on having the, uh, the, you know, the ability to have those wallet-to-wallet -wallet transfers between Venmo users. You can do that here in the United States, but it takes banking licenses, right? It, it's not as easy right, as it like- It still has to go through your bank and still isn't, like you said, it's not instantaneous. You get the instant message that they're working on putting it in your bank, but usually it says one to three days, unless you're willing to spend extra money to get it immediately. Well, that's if you want to actually see the value of the transfer, right? If you're willing and okay to just leave the value in your digital wallet, then that's fine. It's it, that, that transfer of funds is instantaneous because between two Venmo users or two um, Citibank uh, users, right? It's one ledger. Basically all that's happening is they debit and they credit in the same book. 
It's just, you know, well, we move, you know, some funds from this side to this side and it's, and it's very, it's straightforward. It doesn't have to go anywhere else. Where it gets complicated is when one user decides that I want to, I want to, I want to remove those funds from my digital wallet. I want to actually have that value in, um, in my wallet, like I, in my actual hand, like I want to go to an ATM, I want to get those funds out, or I want to use that to pay a check or something like that. And I'm not using my Venmo account to make that uh, to make that purchase or to make that transfer of funds. But with Venmo, it's even more difficult because they don't have the um, the proper license and setup to be able to receive or exchange those funds across international borders yet. PayPal does. PayPal is the parent company of Venmo. If anyone didn't know that, that's the secret side of the bag. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but they do, and they have very. I mean, they have to follow all these specific rules and and uh, regulations across many different jurisdictions to be able to offer that service to their customers. But regardless, that fund, and again, just like at PayPal or just like at Citibank, it's just a movement of funds within the within that particular company. So we can see the movement of funds instantaneously, but the minute that me, the recipient, I want to get those funds out into my actual bank account, well, now I have to, just like anything else, have to go through that transfer of funds. And in some cases, maybe it's a foreign exchange, right? Because you sent dollars to Europe. Mm-hmm. No one in Europe is going to like want to get dollars from the bank because they can't pay with that. So they'd have to have that transferred or exchanged for their fiat currency, which is the euro. Once they have the euro, then of course they can do something with it, but it could take a couple of days for that transfer to occur. You have to pay a fee to get the funds uh, you know, tra- actually exchanged. And so there's still instantaneous movement of the funds, but you're still paying for those cross-border fees and it still does take some time. Mm-hmm. That's where the stablecoin solves that problem. There's no more fee and it is instantaneous. If, you're, if your digital wallet is set up to pay, right, using these stable coins. And if you're a business, in many cases, it, it is because you can make these purchases for digital assets or digital goods, then you're using a digital currency to do that. So you're not losing anything. There's no loss of value. And everything is built on the blockchain. Everyone's talking about blockchains. Why is that special? Right. Because it's based on what we call distributed ledger technology. Just like I was talking about how the bank or PayPal, they have one ledger. Well, now imagine that everyone could see that ledger. And it's not just owned by PayPal. It's actually dispersed. It's distributed across many different computers or individuals or servers. Everyone can see the transactions that are happening in real time. And so now there's no ownership. There's no proprietary sort of source of where that information is being stored, who has access to it, who controls the information. It's, it's public. So that's kind of fun and cool. And that means now everyone can see what is actually occurring on the blockchain at any moment. And those transfers of funds now can be validated or verified in many different ways. And you can't mess it up. You can't um, you know, fraud your way through a change in that ledger because it's been copied by 20 different other computers mm-hmm. and they've all checked it to say like, it's all good. And if there is something that looks wrong, then it's flagged immediately. And then it's, it's, it's basically sort of like voided out. Like, oh, you can't do that. That's wrong. You can't make those changes. Something's wrong with that. And so it'll get, it'll get repaired. So if you are basically the job of a fraud inspector, which is something that you have done in your past, Mm -hmm. um, that that's probably a job that's going to become more and more obsolete as we move more and more digitally. Well, let's just put it this way. Um, Criminals are very smart and they will find ways to get to where the money is. Right. And Mm -hmm. so what happens is they will find ways to maybe not make changes to the blockchain per se, but they will make ways into identifying the wallets that will be receiving or sending these funds. And they will try to appear to be that wallet. 
or in many cases, they will attack the wallet owner, the wallet owner directly by which, which might be on a phone, story. right? Could be on a phone, could be you could get a, a virus on your phone, opening up an email or a text message that you were like, who is this guy? And what you know, and then you click on the link. Which uh, older listeners, please don't Never. ever do that. If you don't recognize something or something just kind of looks funny. Don't click in it because you don't need spyware going on to your phone. Hey, I've got a question for you, though. Yes. Um, what and I don't know if I know enough about this stuff to ask this question. So I'm going to I'm going to stumble through my question, but I know you're going to know what I'm asking um, because you're in this world now. Right. And you're an intelligent human that's probably been following it a lot longer. But the whole um, the whole stress on the energy grid um, with the, so you're already nodding your head. You know what I'm trying to ask, I bet. Um, with these, um, you know, this virtual money, um, what, what, how does that make you feel? Like, what are, and can you ask, ask me back the question in better verbiage so that people who maybe don't understand, you know, Bitcoin and all these things and the blockchain, you know, phenomenon, but basically it takes um, a, people mine for coins, right? These digital coins on their computers, it ends up taking a lot of energy, which is taking energy from the energy grid. And now there's this, there's a lot of environmentalists um, who are concerned that this is not a good way to go about using our energy when it could be for other things. I don't know. Did that make sense when I'm asking you and you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. So, but it, it, this is about waste, right? And this is about the, um, you know, the in, in, I guess the, 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 the incorrect manner in which we use our resources for finding value. Um, and, and I get this, right? What, what's happening is individuals or groups of people have all sorts of servers that are running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, basically uh, chewing through very complicated math problems to solve a problem that will give them a reward, that reward being, being a Bitcoin or an Ether coin or one of these other altcoins. And if you are the individual or the group of individuals that are able to solve that problem, then suddenly you are awarded a bunch of um, Bitcoin, which is extremely valuable. Which so, is not dissimilar to video games and mm -hmm. finding that secret room in Mario oh, yeah. 3, Super Mario Brothers 3. Do you oh, remember yeah. the room where you just fly in there endlessly getting <laughs> coins? Like that's the way you win the game, right? Is you find that secret the secret passage that to the secret room, room that has like billions of coins. Like that's gotta be what it feels like, which may be a little bit of why we're so drawn to this sort of movement toward um, money in this, in this way. Yeah. But, but, it, but it, like you said, it's um, it's causing concern. People are looking at that saying that's really kind of a wasteful way to go and quote unquote, find value or to make money. Right. Um, and it's true that um these are very powerful machines that are running all the time and uh, people are spending a lot of money to build, you know, these farms basically in the middle of nowhere, cool them because the machines are hot, find the electricity to keep these machines running all the time. And we're going back in time. We're going back to uh, Star Trek, um, the original series when, you know, Scotty was working in that room where the computers were everywhere or mm -hmm. more realistically like IBM where the computers mm -hmm. took up 
the whole like first floor of a building yeah. um, in an office. That's kind of where we're, we're going back to now. It's like, instead of these like handheld computers, now we're going back to building computers on farms. Like what the yeah. hell? <laughs> so, crazy, so right? I mean, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of reward in doing this. And so the, you know, the groups of the people that are doing this are, you know, they expect a big payout when they solve these problems. Um, and uh, that that means they can they can afford to do this sort of stuff to mine for these coins, um, but yeah, there there is a lot of environmental concern with how that's being done. Um, so these alternate um, cryptocurrency coins are viewed, I think, very negatively in that sense too. Not only is it because it's all royal speculation, like um, people are basically just uh, you know trying to get money out of these things. It's like a gold rush. Then there's a bunch of environmental waste that goes into it, right? Because we feel like, well, we're spending all this energy to make these machines run all the time for, for what, for digital value, like that's being speculated on, like, what is it? How is that even helping? Like, I can't use Bitcoin to buy anything. Like, what is this all about? Right. So I can understand where people are really, you know, upset and concerned and, and, and rightfully so, because if you are really environmentally conscious, like you want to say like, well, I don't want to do that, but then you have to turn around. You have to think about, well, what about all the banks that have to have their own ledgers to have, the value of your money stored someplace. What about all the trucks that have to drive around carrying dollars and coins between the banks and the ATM card, ATM machines? Like start thinking about the impact of actual physical cash money. And then you have to start thinking about what is the impact of that on the environment? So I can understand where people go to the one thing to say, yeah, this thing is new and it's, it's deadly. It's it's destroying entire planets. (laughs) Wait a minute, guys. Like we're, we've been already on that track for a while with, with dollar bills being on paper. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I know there's a lot of talk right now with um, uh, Ethereum that, you know, the, 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 the sort of like the co-founder is working on like a new, code that will make it much more environmentally friendly to be able to do the transactions and to log the transactions on their blockchain for Ethereum. Um, we'll, we'll wait to see what that actually means or how that works, but it's true. It, it is, it is wasteful, right? Um, but your stable coin with circle is a little different than these other coins, right? So, I mean, right. just, just throwing that out there. I mean, I just wanted your opinion on, on that whole other world, but what you what you're doing um, is um, a little different because again, this isn't mining for value of yeah. you know problem solving. It's hey Gabriel, um, I I owe you twenty bucks for let me borrow your Disney Plus channel for a couple of weeks or something. I don't know. I, I can't think of anything that I would owe you twenty dollars. <laughs> I'm sure from back in the day, I owe you plenty of money, uh, but. <laughs> But, um, but I would, I mean, that is real money being given to you is real money. And the beauty, like you said, is I don't have to pay extra money. You don't have to pay extra money for that 20 bucks. So that 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I think think at the end of the day, it's always pegged to the U S dollar for the U S dollar coin. Right. So the the value is the same. Um, now these, these, these stable coins are being transferred or used, um, or, um, being sent over existing blockchains. Circle doesn't actually create its own blockchain, but it implements the ability for these coins to be used in what we call smart contracts or to be sent over, um, the blockchains that have already been designed and developed. So, I mean, is it, is it, I feel like Circle is in this case, um, it's almost like an application, 
right? It's an application right. that allows that transfer of funds on existing infrastructure. Um, but it is part of that whole crypto uh, currency, uh, you know, environment where. So yeah, it, you know, is your it's, role it's, going to be like a virtual um, armored truck? Like, are you going to be watching that blockchain to make sure that it doesn't get infiltrated by by robbers with pistols? Pew, pew. I well, mean, so there, speaking. So it, it, any any entity that has a wallet has to obviously have a lot of security around. How do you have access to the wallet? Who has access to the wallet? How do the wallet addresses have appropriate security so you can't just guess the address of somebody? Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of sort of normal information security management and privacy concerns that go into that sort of thing and, and you know, anti-fraud um, rules around logging into the site and that sort of stuff. So that's that's normal for like what you would expect any bank to have in place. So there's no real change, I think, in that. I think the the armored car sort of image that you have in your mind is also, I think, uh, a little bit outdated because because of the blockchain, right? If I am sending those funds on the blockchain, it is visible, you know, 20, 30, 40 times over, and it can't be intercepted, right? The the issuing uh, request is coming from my wallet. The reception is going to happen. The blockchain is the armored vehicle. in, in one it's sense, going it's, through it's like a tunnel. The... Yeah, it's it's basically a, a well. I mean, I don't know what the best sort of analogy of this is, but I mean, imagine that there's just a. I really can. I, I liken it to just like an email. Like, is anyone like stopping your email before it gets to you? Are they like jumping in front of some sort of electronic train someplace? I'm like, no, those emails can't go through. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> or it doesn't exist. Like, it goes through all these different protocol points to get to where you are, based on email addresses. It's the same thing that's happening here, except it's happening over what we call the blockchain. And that's, again, public, it's visible, it's, you know, everyone can see what's going on if you want. So I don't think there's a lot of concern on that end. I think it's really just who has the funds, where are the funds going to be received? Those are your sort of critical endpoints where the security has to be the strongest. And just why are the funds being sent kind of thing? So, well, yeah, then you get into um, normal fraud and anti-money laundering sort of regulatory concerns. Um, you know, if, if you were go to your or bank just drug say, dealing, virtual drug send, dealing. No, if you, if you go to your bank, and you say, I want to take a bunch of this money out and do something with it. You know, they'll ask some questions about it. If you put a bunch of money into the bank, they ask you questions about it. That's a regulatory concern. They have to do that. It's the law. They're required to do that. Um, so it's the same thing here, right? If, uh, if someone is buying a bunch of um, US dollar coins, there is a know your customer form that we're going to ask questions about. Well, where, you know, what is the origin of these funds? Where is it coming from? And can I see some documentation uh, evidence that shows where those funds are actually coming from? Like if I have a million dollars and I want to put a million dollars into US dollar coin and I have a business, like the account manager at Circle is going to say, okay, well, where do the funds come from? And I said, well, I sold my house. Show me, show me the documentation, right? I need to see that. Okay. Or here's the bank note that says like, this is where I actually have the money from. So we have to rely on those things which exist today. We're not coming up with new things. So it's it's all based on sort of normal expected requirements. Um, but at the over, same time, you're part of creating this for Circle, for this virtual world, which is yeah. pretty cool. Like you said, it's, it it's already there, but now you're yeah. putting it into this realm. It's completely the vanguard of what I think the transfer money is going to look like in the next uh, the next decade. We're gonna we're gonna get away from a lot of these normal bank products that we've been dealing with that are wasteful, that are expensive, that are time consuming, um, and we'll we'll move more to just yeah the 
just like anything else with the internet, right? It's faster to get in touch with two people like this. We're having a conversation. We don't live together. We're not actually talking on a phone. Right. <laughs> right? We're, we're going through the internet. Like money can move this way, guys. It's totally safe and sound. Like um, yeah. as long as we know where the endpoint is and where it's starting from, and we know those individuals and those characters, and we have confidence that we know them, it's totally fine. It's safe. It's good. It's, it's wonderful. It's uh, liberating even. So Absolutely. I mean, and, and at the end of the day, anything that's going to save us a few bucks to to pay someone that we need to pay or borrow money from someone we need to borrow from, you know, everyone, I'm sure everyone's all down with that. Put it this way. Who would you rather give the money to? Right. Would you rather give the money to like Citibank? Right. Bank of America? Exactly. Do you trust those people with that yeah. money? Yeah. Oh. Why do they need that extra money? Yeah. It's a hand. What are they doing? Money. They're not helping yeah. me. Like, yeah. really? Like, they charge me on a fee. Like, that's the thing that I think. I mean, I, I've, I've been in banking and finance and this stuff my entire career. And it's just, I mean, it's a, ter- it's a terrible, it's a terrible industry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, it's annoying. So it's, it's, that's why, that's one of the reasons why I went to go work at PayPal, because I really viewed it as an opportunity to do something different to, um, be in a situation or be in a company that was really going to try to stick it to these, uh, you know, these big corporations and these big banks, um, which to some degree, I think they've been successful with that. Um, and then wow, I've never thought of PayPal way. as being sort of the punk rock of the, you know, punk rocker of the banking industry. I've just always looked at it as like, God, this is awesome that I can just have this thing on file that remembers me and I don't have to bust out my freaking credit card every time. Well, that works if you're if you're the if you're the buyer, right? Because it makes it easier for you to get through whatever you know questions or you know entering in your information to be able to to buy something online, which is a which is a utility basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to think of it also in the sense of these merchants, the merchant that you're buying something from that is uh, able to get paid through their PayPal account. Again, they don't have to have a check from you, and mm-hmm. to worry is the check going to bounce? Right. right? They, this this is where the value to PayPal comes in for the merchant. And it's much more important for the merchants than it is just sending money from one person to another person because of drinks last night, right? It's way more important for these commercial transactions for the merchant, for the seller to know the money is going to be there, right? Yeah. If, and almost instantaneously, right? right? I mean, a lot, yes. lot faster than... How waiting for the bank to send, you know, to, to update their system for these checks to clear for wires to go. I mean, all this is, it's very antiquated, you know, very old outdate technology that has not been improved for, for, you know, dozens of years. Right. Um, So you have to think of it in that sense, which I thought was interesting also because PayPal was going out saying like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to basically, you know, challenge these financial institutions um, on their own ground. We're going to, we're going to make it easier for folks to have access to funds, to be able to move the funds, to make payments happen, um, you know, make, make small businesses thrive online, that sort of thing. And I think they have been successful in doing that, Mm -hmm. but it's still a big, big company. Right. And it acts like a big, big company. There's always a bottom line that, that any large corporation, has to do, um, you know, their own fair share to protect, you know, what's theirs. Um, and so like any large financial institution, they have, they have their own sort of things that they have to do to protect, you know, their shareholders and their profits and that sort of thing. And I think a company like a startup has very little rationale to do so, right? The whole thing of a startup is we can do something that everyone else is doing. We can do it better. And we can do it cheaper and we can do it faster and we can do it more nimbly and we can do it based on what we're doing today, not based on antiquated thinking or technology from you know years and years and years ago. So that's what I think is really interesting about the opportunity to work for a startup. Um, and yeah, it's just been, 
it's been riveting. It's been a lot of fun. A lot of the people that I've met um, are just, you know, very passionate about um, cryptocurrencies and the blockchain, uh, you know, technology and, and uh, sort of revolution. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's very cavalier, of, yeah. it sounds, but I mean, so honestly, um, the, I'm so glad we went into all of that, but the whole idea was to kind of go through your whole, so we'll just nutshell it in sure. a sense, right? Because um, I'm, I'm really curious how, so, I mean, this is like such a great example of how you're a risk taker. You yeah. went from, you know, like a very prominent bank. Um, it wasn't Credit Lyonnais, was it? No, no. no. Credit Agricole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting French and uh, uh, um, Latin confused. Agricole. Agricole, yeah. yeah. Um, so a very, and, and for you uh, non-French speakers, that's a very prominent bank in France and Belgium um, and, and Europe in general, probably, right? Um, yeah, Credit Agricole is, is a, it's, I mean, it's one of the larger French banks um, and they have a presence also in a lot of the older French colonies. So uh, West okay, Africa. There you go. Um, so, so, you, you see that a lot, yeah. so maybe some of our African listeners uh, will be like, oh yeah, totally bank there. Um, but uh, that's, so you went from that to PayPal, which at the time, what, 15 years ago when you started, I don't remember how long ago it was. Yeah, it was, it was about 10. It was, it was about 10 years ago. 10 um, years ago. Summer. Yeah. Still though, not the PayPal that everyone knows today. I'm sure. I mean, what kind of a, a leap was that or was PayPal pretty, pretty much what it, I mean, uh, what did it look like 10 years ago? Was that a leap for you? Was that a risk to do that? Well, let's put it this way. When, when I, when I left Belgium, um, my wife and I, we, we decided to move uh, to the United States um, we didn't want to stay in Belgium. We, we wanted to have a family and we didn't want to have children that were going to be growing up in a country that was already kind of split between uh, Francophones and um, uh, the, the Flemish and the sort of the Dutch speakers. And we thought if we're going to have children in, uh, in Belgium, they're going to be almost required to speak Flemish, which neither one of us spoke. And so we, we decided like, well, we're not really certain that we want to do that. So let's, you know, let's look around. So we made a determination and, a cho and, and choice basically to move to San Francisco. And we didn't have a place to live. We didn't have a job lined up. Like we basically just bought our tickets. Um, after we packed up our apartment, we put everything into like a big moving container, like a storage container that you see on those big boats, you know, <laughs> ah. like containers. And uh, we just basically said, okay, we'll see that container like on the other side of the earth in like a couple <laughs> of months. Um, yeah, we had our, we had our suitcases and we, we, uh, couch surf basically with a really good friend of mine in San Francisco for about a month. And then we found uh, a rental. And at that point, like when we got to San Francisco, like we didn't, we didn't really know what we were going to do, but we wanted to try something different. So that was a, a big risk, right? We didn't really know how that was going to end up. And as soon as I got there, you know, I started looking for, you know, jobs at the normal brick and mortar banks, you know, looking for a proper, you know, an opportunity in a compliance team, um, anti-money laundering role, which is what I had my background in. And I started trying to reach out to my network. And so it was actually through somebody that I knew in Belgium who knew somebody in Florida, who knew somebody at PayPal that I got an interview at PayPal. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't really know that much about PayPal when I got the interview there. So I started doing some reading on it. All I knew of PayPal at that point was you had an eBay account and you needed <laughs> PayPal to be able to pay for stuff on eBay. That was really, that was the only thing I knew about PayPal. 
Um, but I remember sitting in the interview at PayPal and one of the guys that interviewed me was part of one of these even before Etsy a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, 2011, yeah, yeah. This, like this Etsy 2011. just started coming around. Yeah. That, that was, that was occurring like the next couple of years after that, like it really got big, but it was there. Um, but I remember being in the interview at PayPal and this guy, um, in one of the, the financial innovation teams came and he had this, um, he had an iPhone, uh, with like a big yellow, like uh, shock case around it. And he's like, okay. Um, so this is this product we're testing out. And uh, give me your cell phone number. I'm like, oh, okay. So I gave him my cell phone number, which was like a burner phone. And um, he said, don't worry, I'm going to send you, I'm just going to send you a dollar. All right. So give me your cell phone number. So I said, okay, fine. So he types in my phone number and hits, you know, send. And suddenly like, I'm getting a text message on my burner phone. Like, Hey, you've, you've got, you've got, you've got like a money, you know, money uh, is coming to your phone. Like click here to accept the funds in your PayPal account. And so from that, I could then go to, uh, the PayPal website and log in and accept those funds. And it blew my mind. Yeah, I was, I was in the interview and my, like I, mine was being blown in the interview. I'm thinking, Oh my God, there's so many like terrible things that are happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there's so many bad things. Like how is this even possible? And so it, it was really fun. And it was like a week and a half later, I got, I got the job and, uh, and that really changed the trajectory for, you know, my life for, you know, the family uh, that we have now. And, uh, you know, after that, we were able to, you know, find, find a place to live in San Jose, which is really close to the PayPal office. And yeah, I mean, it, it changed, it changed our lives considerably. And then 10 years later, um, having seen the change of, of PayPal, which at that point, again, was still part of eBay, it was a subsidiary of eBay. Um, PayPal eventually did go public for the second time, because it actually was public before it was purchased by eBay, uh, like in late the late 1990s. Um, yeah, so it was like, it was this, it was this weird moment of like, the company had grown so big, it was getting to be so important. And um, it wasn't just so much about these small businesses anymore, which was kind of like the bread and butter of PayPal. It was all about the small and me the small and medium merchants. Like it was all about them being able to accept payments online. Right. It had really moved into servicing very large corporations like Uber. We did this crazy deal with Uber where it was sort of like you could now connect your PayPal account to your Uber account and you could just pay with PayPal on the Uber app. Mine is. Yeah. And, and when that <laughs> happened, it was sort of, that was, that was like a big change because we hadn't ever really done a deal that big before where suddenly PayPal was thrust up and up and center into the actual payment on like an everyday commodity. Like people and, just and something that. that is being used a lot often by hundreds of thousands of users at the same time, and rather anywhere, than like a merchant. Huh? Yeah. And anywhere where Uber was operating. Right. You know, oh my gosh. That's a lot of data coming in. That's <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That would blow up your, you know, your, your small team into like, you needed your own building now. <laughs> yeah. So, so wow. you know, the, the team that I was, I was, I was working on and, and building out was really how do we review these um, new novel payment uh, products and make sure that those changes that we're trying to make uh, to our environment are safe and secure and that they actually, number one, please our customers, right? Make sure that they work the right way and we don't get our customers angry with what we're doing because we've told them something that's incorrect or doesn't work. But then also making sure that internal stakeholders like our compliance team, our legal team, our privacy team, information security management, fraud, like all these different teams have to see what's going to be going on in that change. And they have to sign off to make sure that it's going to be okay. Or they have to tell the product owner, hey, there's stuff that you're going to do in there that we, we can't support. 
So you need to make these small changes or here's guidance or recommendation on what needs to change so that we can meet our internal policy requirements so that we don't lose money, uh, go into regulatory duress because we have the wrong information or that we're not getting the right information and so forth. So huge, huge opportunity to learn and see almost a decade's worth of changes to PayPal's product um, environment. And just like literally, I think close to 10,000 different product changes. My team actually had to go and review and make sure it was approved. And these are changes across the board uh, from the United States to Japan, to Brazil, to Australia, to you know, wow. Europe, I mean, everywhere. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And uh, it was great. It was great working there for 10 years. Um, and that all came to an end earlier this year when my team, uh, you know, there was a reorganization basically of the, uh, of the team that I was a part of and uh, my role was eliminated. And so then it was my opportunity to sort of sit back and say, well, what do I want to do next? Right. And I, I remember talking to a couple of people, good friends of mine who had been in a similar situation where they said, well, yeah, I, you know, I just took the first job that came and I kind of look back and I'm kind of like upset that I did that. I should have taken some more time for me. And I heard a couple of people say that. And I was looking at this saying like, you know, I've got a severance package here. Like it's almost summertime. Like I, I should be spending time with my girls and I should be taking care of the family. And so I said, you know what? Uh, this is just going to be a sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to think about what is it that I want to do in the next step. And, and I enjoyed watching uh, you with bear adventures and camping and all kinds. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. We, I mean, it was, it was a great summer, right? I mean, yeah. despite the fact that there was the pandemic and it was really scary and we were still kind of freaked out about it. Um, after we got our vaccinations, my wife and I, we, we felt more confident about going out and doing stuff, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was great. Like I had that opportunity to, to spend that time, to be with them, to watch them grow up a little bit this year. And, um, and then just work my network, like talk with people, have interviews, practice being in interviews um, and, uh, and eventually finding this opportunity at this company, which is just really exciting. Yeah. It really sounds like um, there's not a lot of remorse of having your life shook up underneath you and listeners might be giggling a little to listen to this conversation because a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, I had this whole solo episode where I talked about my rent increase and how um, I'm kind of in a in a similar situation to where you are. But instead of losing my job, I'm I'm losing my apartment because of this huge, you know, 23 percent rent increase. Um but it's, but it's really making me think, okay, I don't really like my job. I don't really know that I want to stay in Arizona the rest of my life. Like, I think I got another jump in me and, um, or at least if I am going to stay here, I, and I'm not going to live in this apartment or maybe I am like, I, I want to find something that's a lot more meaningful mm. and, um, you know, not like right now I basically run two call centers that is so far from teaching and school yeah. improvement and in, in education administration that I went to school for yeah. that. I'm like, I guess this, maybe this is the universe's way of saying like, Hey, you don't have to, you don't have to stay in this. And, um, and so it's just, it's really, it's such happenstance to like hear you unpack that story again, because, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about how gracefully you took this, um, 
because that is you, you are the risk taker. You are always perpetually going. Um, I have confidence that whatever I, whatever I choose to do is going to be the right decision. And that's like so inspiring Gabriel to have you, especially in this moment in my life right now, where I'm like really reevaluating what it is I want to do. But I don't know if you can speak on this though, but one thing I, that, that always kind of, maybe it's the thing that keeps me with a, with a shitty job um, that I hate is that I helped build it, this department, right. That I'm, that I'm, that I'm not as important in anymore. Um, Were there any feelings of sort of, um, I don't know, just sort of disappointment or, um, woe was me. I built this and now they're letting me go. I don't know. I don't know if you can even speak to that because I know that your network still includes a lot of those people. And I, oh. I wouldn't want you to, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's, a, it's a, it's a natural, I think it's a natural tendency to be disturbed by the fact that what you have created can be, uh, you know, quote unquote, taken away. Um, and, and, and it's probably different for a lot of people in different situations. I mean, yes, I built a team at PayPal, uh, basically from me and one other person to a group of about 18 people. Um, and we were doing- Almost literally exactly the same. same. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at the so, end. So you have, and you have pride of ownership and pride of you know how that's executing and you see the value and, and you have all these great stories and comments and like, yeah, you feel really good about it. Um, and I think when when that occurred, it was less about you know something being sort of taken away or me losing something. It was more this is this is a great opportunity to try something completely different. And why not try building something again, something different? Because I think as you just like um, you played Connect Four, right? And you first start out the game, and there's like yeah. endless <laughs> possibilities, right? Endless right. possibilities. And once you start dropping the chips in. After a while, you're kind of like, well, I can keep going this way and like be in a dead end, or I can try going this way. But you, your choices are defining the end result, right? And so I feel like in 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 my mind's eye, when when that occurred in in, uh, in February this year, like a lot of things had occurred in my career at PayPal up until that point. And okay, so that was a change that was occurring. Um, I didn't really have a decision to make at that point. It was sort of like the team structure has changed and there's no room for you. So, um, you know, goodbye. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess in that moment, like the first couple of hours, it was all over the place. Like I'm, I'm upset. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, feeling sad. I'm You're going I'm through the griefing the process. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about the people that, that were reporting to me. Are they going to be okay? Um, you know, concerned about, uh, you know, basic, basic things like, well, what am I going to do? And then I thought, you know what, it's, it's a big company, like they'll figure it out that someone else will come and take it over and it'll be fine. And they've changed it. They change it. Like they're going to start with that game of connect four, like mostly complete. Now they have a few choices left to do. Right? I've had all the fun up until that point. Like I'm, I'm fine with this. It's okay. Let's move on. And I think part of my thinking too, was after that, I said, you know, I, I had a great run. 10 years is a huge, huge amount of time to be working for one company. I think that's pretty special. I don't think it happens in a lot of places anymore. Yeah. And uh, I'm fine with moving on and trying something different. And I would say in, 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 in a situation like yours, I mean, think, think about what you have left to do. 
someplace else. Like you have something that you still want to contribute. You have something that you still want to create or energize or, you know, you want to help other people in a different way. Like all of those are things which you should, you know, keep in the back of your mind when you're making a decision like this, because oftentimes I feel like we make decisions based on what has happened, but we should be thinking about what will occur. And if we think about what will occur or what could occur, then we start making our choices very differently. Right. If I take that whole sort of image of, of the Connect Four, if I say, well, that was the Connect Four for PayPal, like let's go make a new Connect Four. Let's start a new game. Right. right. Do you want to play a game? Like go back to 1980, you know, go back to the 80s and go watch, uh, you know, some crazy movies and, and just like think about like how, how crazy it is that, you know, we, we, we were going to be destroyed by the, the Russians and, and life was ending and all of our time was spent on like history. Like what was it that we were supposed to have done? How did we get to this point? We weren't really thinking about, well, where can we go next, right? That's what, that's what I would challenge you on. Like, think about what it is I that you that. and think, think, spend some time, meditate on that, go to Sedona, go find a, you know, an energy circle or vortex. And I've been doing a lot of yoga and meditation and, and just writing down what does my dream job look like? I've been trying to, you know, I've been networking. I've been using my network to talk to people like, what are you doing in the K-12 world? Because part of my heart is thinking that's, I don't necessarily want to be in the university world anymore or not. I don't know yet. I'm just, I'm just really trying to be open. Um, Like I I want my next choice to be intentional instead of panic. And, um, and I, and I think that at our age now, right. As we're middle age, um, it's scary. right. It's, it's, it's scary. And it's a lot more like, um, well, I don't want to, I don't want to just jump ship and just hope, hope I land. I want to actually make decisions that are going to maybe create a softer landing or just a more intelligent landing. And, um, and I, I just love that's going to resonate with me. I'm probably going to write it down in my journal actually. And just, you know, like, what does the future look like? Look at my face. Listeners can't see, but I'm like, so what, like, like lit up, right? Like this is, this is a very aha moment. Like instead of, okay, what have I been doing? Let's see. I I applied to a French teaching job again and I'm like, well, it's not really the income. (laughs) I know that sounds terrible, but there's a reason I left the classroom. And also it's not quite the, it's not the school improvement passion that I have, you know, and, and what I, what I built in it at the university level of like, you know, student retention, like I kind of still really like that stuff and, you know, the operations aspect. So thinking in terms of like, okay, what, what could be a bigger idea that has those aspects and then kind of go from there and, and take my time. I'm going to take a year mm-hmm. of, of, really living kind of paycheck to paycheck for the first time in a long time. That's not my favorite place to be, but at least I'm not homeless and I have a good paying job while I'm trying to figure it out. Um, And uh, yeah, and just be like really, and who knows, maybe I just, maybe it's six months, maybe it's three months, who knows? Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. And I think it's important to think about the things that you know, could be, and just try to, I think you're already doing a lot of this, Trish. It doesn't surprise me. This is really, I think the type of person that you are, like you're, you're, you're constantly looking for, you know, how to, how to make an impact. And I feel like this is something which, 
yeah, you spend some time, some effort into really thinking about what does that mean uh, for you and where do you feel like that's going to be. And once you have a good sense of kind of what it is that you are thinking of, like that's when you need to go back to your network, right? And, in, and instead of asking questions like, well, what is it like there? Start saying things like, well, I want to be able to do, or here's an idea that I have that I want to, I want to actually put into practice. Do you know anybody, right? Do you, do you have anybody else that you know in your network that might be able to um, give me some pointers or some thinking about this or someone that might know someone that, that can get this, you know, this idea and we can work with it. You know, I think part of it is that like a lot of the conversations that I had within my network were sort of like, here's, I mean, I had, I had like a, I had a document, I had like a three page document and I had like, here's all the things that I want to be here are all the things that I want to do here are all the things that I, I know that I can be successful at. And so every single conversation I was trying to place like one or one or two of the like core ideas about what it is that I want to do. What is it that I, that me personally, that I I'm, I'm excited about, I'm passionate about, right? These are the things that I want to do in my next step. And the more you say that to yourself, the more you believe it, the more you believe it, the more passionate you are, the more passionate you are, the more that message gets across to the people that you're talking to. And then they, they like, they internalize that and say, man, she's really, she's really into this thing. I think I might know someone, right? And that it, maybe it just takes one or two people like that, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to take a long time because, you know, our networks are huge now, but that's, that's one way to go. So just keep, keep doing it. That's great. Thanks. And, and thanks for the pep talk. Uh, one more thing I'm going to ask you before we, before we uh, hang up today, um, Gabriel, and that is, um, does it, does it make you nervous when you, when you go into something like a startup company, does now here, here we go. You're, you're the risk taker. This is the person you are. Do you ever think, especially now that you have a family, like, God, what, I mean, am I going to have a retirement? Am I going to, is this stable? Is this a good foundation? I mean, does that kind of absolutely up at night? (laughs) Absolutely. I I mean, I had a lot of conversations with, uh, with my wife about this and, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, she's like, look, you got to go do what you want to do, right? I'm not going to change, you know, how you feel about this, this idea, this opportunity. Um, we'll, we'll make it work. And it's really great to have someone who has, you know, faith in, I mean, faith wrong, someone who really believes that it's, it's going to happen. Um, and look, if, if things don't work out, like if anything, this was a fantastic opportunity to learn about something, which I've been pretty interested in for a while. Like, yeah. It is kind of the coolest new thing. So it's kind of cool to be right in their front and center kind of thing. Seriously, like every conversation that I've had recently with someone who's like, oh, so what are you doing now? Like, oh, I work at this company and deals with cryptocurrency. It's like, oh, oh, you know, I know so-and-so, or I've been, I've been actually, it's almost like a secret. I've I've been, I've been buying some Bitcoin. (laughs) What do you, what do you think about that? And I'm like, you know, great. Let's talk about it. Go, go buy more Bitcoin. Like, yeah, don't worry about it, bro. Like, you, know, you, you want to do that? Like, <laughs> hey, it's the Wild West. You know, go go shoot them up the way you want. Um, but I, I feel like, it, but it's it, different at middle age to make these yeah. kind of leaps, and especially, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate. It's just me and my dog and my cat. Um, I've got actual humanoids. I'm glad they're humanoids. That, that would be a little bit weird if they weren't. But yeah, the, the, the kids, I mean, <laughs> they, they, they were a part of the conversation in, in, our, in our minds too, which is, look, um, there's a legacy, you know, of, you know, how, how they are in, in this area. Like there's, you know, a certain sort of desire for them to have the same access to the things that they've had in the past that they will have in the future. I mean, those are all 
those are all considerations that you want to make at the same time. And yeah, it is a risk. Like, Hey, a startup, I mean, it could be successful now. It could be, you know, a terrible thing in a year. The legislation could change on how stable coins are actually regulated in the United States or in the European Union or in Japan. And that could have a detrimental impact on the business, the bottom line of this company. Um, yes, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big chance. It's a chance. And, you know, I, I got to give props to the guy who helped me to get this job. Um, you know, he told me, I said, look, I'll be upfront with you. I, I don't know what's going to happen. It, this could be like the best thing. It could be, you know, a rocket ship or it could be like a giant explosion and it could all, <laughs> all burn down. Right. This is, but, you know, for me, I wanted to take risk. And if you're interested in taking that risk with us, like, then let's have you come on board. Let's do this. Right. And, well, and I mean, it's yeah. been 10 years since you did a risk like this. So surely you felt a little younger for a second there and a little bit more like the guy who took his girl and went, let's just move to San Francisco because we want to have kids. By the way, who the hell does that? Like, not San Francisco of all places. Maybe San Antonio or something. It, it, it You're was, such it a was, rock star, Gabe. I it, can't was different. It. it was different back then. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but um, that surely that that part of your brain was just a little triggered and 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 had a little bit of joy dancing around thinking about this little heart palpitations and stuff fear all yeah that. yeah of course I mean it, it's all it's all in there right I mean there's definitely that sort of response you know uh, and you're thinking like oh yeah this this could be I mean yeah you know you get the puck the pucker factor for sure like I was signing the dotted line I'm like well I really this is and I was like <laughs> I'm good with this. <laughs> yeah. You make, you make those decisions. And I think the other thing I was going to say is, yes, you know, I, I had fought long and hard about this. I had had other opportunities that, you know, that I had a chance to say yes to before, you know, this one. And, you know, I had to, I had to really keep it in, in the back of my mind. Like, yes, there, there was an opportunity to work for a company. It would have been a much more stable um, more and true, you know, tr tried and true sort of approach. And yes, okay, but was it something that I was going to be passionate about? Um, versus this is something where I don't know what's going to happen, but wow, it's super exciting. And it's also going back to that whole thing of I'm working in the financial industry and I really want to stick it to the man. How can I do that? Like, where do I get that? Right? Where do I get that opportunity? And so this this one made much more sense. And I have to give a big shout out to my brother, my big brother, because he told me, he said, you know, as you're going through these interviews, you know, close your eyes um, and think about the people that you're meeting with and think that you're going to be in meetings with those people. How do you feel, right? What, what is it that's coming to your mind? And, you know, let that also be a guide for how you make that decision, because you're going to spend wow. a lot of time in Zoom and, you know, in these meetings. And like, if you're feeling like that's not something that's exciting for you, or those aren't people that are really going to keep you passionate, you got to think hard if that's the place that you really want to go and work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, big, big ups to, <laughs> to big bro, because he helped on that. He was, he was a great, uh, a great foil for me. So love you, brother. Gabriel, I'm so happy that you came on uh, back, back to the show to, to unpack a little bit more about who you are. Um, I, I want to also uh, just, I keep bringing up, being on who will save generation X, the, the trivia game show podcast, but, um, shout out to Zabe. We love you. Uh, Gabriel was my, um, my, uh, what do you call that? My, my person I was, I was going against, and we had such a great time. I'll also put a link, 
Um, neither one of us are going to tell you who won. You have to listen to that episode if you haven't already. Um, but I just love that you're always game for everything. Um, you're such a big supporter of, um, you know, of me and the podcast. And, um, and I'm so happy that you're, you know, you're still just, just this, this little skater punk. That's just doing cool shit. And that's a throwback to April's pop. Uh, um, you guys listen to that. Um, and, and, uh, you know, thanks again. And, and I'm so excited to see what happens and hell, maybe we'll do, a a cryptocurrency 101 episode um, in the future for for some of our older listeners who maybe or even some Gen Xers who are like, Crip, what is that like a horror money? You know, <laughs> but it, it was from the cryptocurrency. Yes, from the cryptocurrency. What a great. Oh, my God. That'd be such a great manual um, on how to deal with blockchains and and things like that. Um, Again, thank you so much, Gabriel. Really appreciate you. And uh, uh, yeah, you're just the best. Good luck. Thanks, Trish. I appreciate it. And I'm uh, just excited that I was able to come back and, uh, and, and, and do this with you. It's been, it's been great. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to keep coming back. As long as you keep asking me, I'll come back. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army.